Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. It's still weird that we can just go right into it, but whatever. It's so weird. <laughs> Hi, I'm Spencer. <laughs> Yeah, shut up. Oh, I got my mug oh. today. Oh, man, is it great? Uh, yeah, I. it's awesome. So I ordered, uh, I guess this is the episode now, huh? So yeah, we're already started. <laughs> I ordered a mug with our new logo on it from the store, and I got it in the mail today. And mm. it's cool. I have a manga version of myself that I can drink coffee out of, and I'm very thrilled about this. Yeah. So um, go to the store, I, all of you people, and drink coffee <laughs> out of my face. <laughs> um, it's not literally going to come out of his face. We don't have, you know, Blake's face-shaped cups yeah. in our store. But we, we have, Put that we on have the our, list. our logo on the side of things. Um, we'll you just know, put you... our logo, like, tattooed on my forehead and cheeks, and then the mouth will be like a spigot. Yeah, let's do that. People are gonna That's love something it. that people want. <laughs> um, so, so uh, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to this episode of Weekly Jump. Um, we are back again watching some really, really fantastic things and some really, really terrible things, just like it seems to happen every week. Yeah, I'm going to have um, a question for you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, here we go. Um, first and foremost, we had our tag team. Let's talk about that first because we both are really excited to talk about it. Blake more than me. And Always. the biggest reason why is that Blake is a massive, massive fan of this new and amazing reboot. And le- let's, uh, let's, let's just, let's just pull the bandaid off. It's obviously Digimon Adventure. If you've listened to Blake over the past <laughs> year, you've heard him just gushing about this show. He's just obsessed <laughs> with Digimon, um, and I I uh, reluctantly jumped into doing some Digimon adventuring myself, and I will say, from my perspective, after just watching the first two episodes again and to see like where I sat with it, I think that if you hated the original Digimon and you're willing to give it another try, this is where you should go. Yeah. And the biggest reason why is because... I think the reason I didn't like it so much in the original version of it is because it was watered down American anime crap that they had kind of turned into Saturday morning cartoons when it shouldn't have been that. It is instead a super fun kids action anime and i think that this is the this is a much more loyal version of it am i correct i would say so uh i also think that uh as i've said many times on the show so if you're new to the show this might be news to you but i've i've spoken of digimon a lot i'm a big digimon fan in my childhood and in general my my take on digimon is that i'm disappointed that the american uh, adaptation was dumbed down for younger audiences than the actual intended audiences while the original Digimon is not like you know it's not Evangelion although the third season is done by the some of the people who did Evangelion but uh you know it's not that it's never going to be that but it is more serious and more adult than I think the American version often gives itself 
and its viewers credit for. So I fault it for that. A lot of those things get rounded up due to nostalgia or due to my propensity to take things that I like and give them the benefit of the doubt for things that I wish they were. Um, but I love Digimon. It, it's something that I've loved as uh, for my whole life. I think that, uh, I, you know, the first Digimon series, Digimon Adventure, the original Digimon Adventure, which is Digimon colon Adventure, not to be confused with the new one, which is Digimon Adventure colon. So the new Digimon Adventure is a, uh, it's a rebirth of the original. It, it It's a... Um, it's an update, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I cannot come up with it. Uh, when you when you redo a movie series, and you're like, we're gonna do that movie again twenty years later with new a reboot, actors. huh? A reboot? Yeah, a reboot. This is rebooting Digimon Adventure. So this is not another not season. Not to be confused with reboot, the horribly, horribly digitally animated show that actually was super, super fun to watch, <laughs> and I tried to watch recently, and it is. Nigh unwatchable just because the animation quality is just so drama. bad. <laughs> so, Digimon. <laughs> don't tell me about audio dramas. I don't want to relive the thing that I'm going to have to talk about later. Oh my so, god. So okay. So if you liked Digimon, you're going to like this. This is this is definitely in, in the same way that Pokemon a lot has been accused, rightly or wrongly, of playing to the people who loved the first generation a little too much. Digimon has been doing something similar where they've really been playing in the sandbox of the first season or two. Uh, if you don't know, Digimon is more or less an anthology series. So each season has uh, different characters for the most part with different rules for the most part uh, that have, you know, a sort of loose framework of what Digimon are for the most part. Uh, so if you like Digimon, especially the original season or first uh, first two seasons, this is going to be what you always thought it could be what you felt like Digimon was if it weren't being written for a younger audience. This is definitely that. It's also much higher quality animation. I would say that this is arguably not quite as good, but definitely in the same ballpark as the movies, which are, you know, high production budget. This just has uh, a much smoother, cleaner look, much more fluid animation, much, uh, I think, much more exciting direction. Uh, and like Spencer said, if you are somebody who tried out Digimon and didn't care for it for whatever reason, or if you are somebody who never tried out Digimon, uh, this is the show you should check out. Um, Absolutely. You might go back and find that you like the other ones, but again, it's a different beast. This is a this is definitely a reboot and a rebirth of Digimon in a lot of ways. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's also not universally loved by the Digimon fan base, but most of the... Most of the people who are like big Digimon fans that are kind of frustrated with it are more frustrated about the things that it is skipping quickly by that were given more time in the original series that this is rebooting. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's kind of one of those things. The series is ongoing. It's probably less than a quarter done or at least less than a half done. So like this is, you know, that remains to be seen. We don't know how it's going to come together, but it's been getting largely positive reviews most of the critique from the super fans has been more on like nitpicky super fan things rather than like this show is failing us. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think unless you're just completely disinterested, this is one to check out. 
Yeah, and I I would say as somebody who's on the outside of the Digimon fandom, it is also one that is, uh, if you're just in for a a good ride um, of animation quality for big monster battles, um, the the first two episodes are going to give you like some, you know, kaiju feeling goodness. Yeah, actually the um, first three can be watched as a movie, essentially. They cover one mm -hmm. story plot that has a sort of leading into the series plot ender. Yeah. And I, I think that I think that the biggest reason that I, I really realized while watching this again um, was the the high animation quality made me actually finally realize why Blake is probably so obsessed with these, this because it really checks two gigantic boxes for Blake. Number one, he loves Pokemon. Number two, he loves Kaiju and Digimon are just kaiju when they they that's what happens at the end of like their digivolutions they turn into just kaiju battles but they're collectible i guess but they don't go into a ball it's yeah i'm not not gonna get into digimon versus pokemon (laughs) here maybe i'll do that on an episode someday but like the you know the that's a debate that has raged for time immemorial but uh digimon is obviously unequivocally very similar to Pokemon. It's very different in crucial ways, but we're not getting into it. But like, yeah, I like them for pretty similar things. But like uh, one of the things that I've always liked about Digimon that Pokemon just doesn't offer, and it's not part of the brand and it's not what I expect from Pokemon, but like Digimon is where you go if you want more character growth, more mature storytelling, higher stakes. Like Pokemon is about young kids on a journey to try and best each other in a sports competition, essentially. Uh, Mm -hmm. whereas Digimon is about young kids growing up and learning who they are through the turmoil of a life-threatening conflict that comes along with monster partners. Yeah. Yeah, man, this is, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm, and it's one of those ones that I'm like, look, I'm going to give this series a full run, uh, when it is done. Um, but at, at this point I'm like, I'm, I'm excited about it to the point where I'm like, I'm going to set this on the shelf and I'm down to watch it later. That, and that's um, a big deal. Like Spencer and I have spent a lot of time talking about Digimon. We've even watched a decent amount of Digimon together and like, mm-hmm. it just didn't grab him. So like, again, if you have not been grabbed by Digimon in the past and you have any part of you that thinks like, maybe I would have liked it. It just wasn't for me the way they did it try this out. Yeah. With that being said, we're about to go into our page flips, but before we do that, uh, really quickly, uh, we are still running our giveaway for one more week, and if you want to be a part of that, we have had uh, a bunch of people so far respond back with the key phrase, and the key phrase is believe it. So if you want to be entered into that that sweet, sweet raffle giveaway... (laughs) For uh, a bunch of Naruto movies, you should definitely write us uh, with the key phrase. Yeah, um, with, and hurry with it up. That, yeah, so, get get on the ball. Anyways. Also, if you're not following us on social media, check there because we announced this earlier than you were able to hear it on the episode. So that's a good place to follow as well. Yep, yep. Um, anyways, uh, let's go into Blake's page flips for the week. And uh, I believe you covered something called Phantom Seer, which I have never heard of before. Yeah, it's a brand new manga. By the time this... Uh, episode comes out we're recording this a week in advance so the sixth chapter will have just dropped so it is brand spanking new uh Mm -hmm. that is why i picked it i didn't really know anything about it i remembered seeing it advertised in a shonen jump email recently because it was new and they tell you when series are new 
but I, I haven't heard anybody talking about it, so uh, I didn't know what to expect. I don't know what the buzz is around this, but Phantom Seer, uh, a little minor spoilers for the first chapter, which is all I've read so far. Uh, it, it focuses on there's this girl named Riku who is able to sense when danger approaches. She meets this kid uh, named so Yori. So she has like Spidey sensors? It's kind of like Spidey Sense, yeah. Uh, okay. So she meets this guy named Yori, who I believe is another classmate of hers. People, he he asks her to go have a conversation with him off in a, uh, an abandoned classroom. And huh. several of her uh, classmates are like, oh, that's that kid that's psychic, right? And so he kind of has a reputation. Uh, she talks to him and he reveals that she has something called a phantom, which is basically a ghost or a yokai or whatever. It's haunting her. And uh, she, if that, uh, if that phantom, basically all you can see when you look at the phantom is uh, a face. And if you can see the full body, then the haunting's real bad and uh, she might not make it. So they, oh they need God. to- yeah, they need to deal with this. But the catch is that Yori does not care about anybody else. And Riku, Riku's whole motivation is I want to spend my life helping people. And Yori's whole motivation is I want to help myself only and not do anything that doesn't do exactly what I want. So he's kind of a dick. The catch for him is that he has an older sister who is a super powerful psychic who uh, serves as a sort of faraway mentor that they talk to through Yori's cell phone. And she tells she basically coerces him into doing things by threatening him with psychic powers from afar. Uh, and so he doesn't want to help out Riku at all. She's holding, she's holding him at like a the a psychic gunpoint. Absolutely, for- <laughs> it's great. So uh, I'm liking this more as I talk about it. By the way, I had positive feelings toward this, but I was like, ah, whatever. You know, it was it was good. Uh, but yeah, the, it's kind of fun. It's a fun setup. So Yori uh, is begrudgingly. Uh, coerced into helping Riku get rid of her phantom. They go onto this train where her phantom was presumably picked up. They are taken uh, unexpectedly to the phantom realm. And the uh, it is revealed that the, spe- the type of phantom that she has on her is actually only a head. So they were seeing the whole body earlier, and that's bad news bears. The phantom captures her. Yori reluctantly goes to rescue her. And he reveals two important things. One, uh, the the theme of this chapter and potentially the manga is sometimes the thing that you want to do is not the thing that you are best at. Uh, And they keep using this metaphor of you might want to be a star athlete, but your talents might be suited to being an artist. And that's, you know, just kind of an unfortunate thing that happens sometimes. And so they have this big moment. This is a spoiler for the first chapter, so skip ahead two minutes if you don't want to hear this. Uh, she she is told that uh, the thing that she wants is to help people, and she believes that she is able to sense danger. The truth is that the phantom the phantoms are drawn to her, and she was basically drawing poltergeists her way, so she wasn't sensing danger. She was causing danger and sensing when it was about to happen. Oh, God. She is shook by this. And then uh, Yori, again, reluctantly wants to help her. So he's like, well, we got to get rid of this phantom on you. And so I'm going to summon my own phantom. That's my deal. I have a phantom. And it is also a super powerful demon phantom that controls shadows. So he summons this giant, horrible Oni ghost 
that steps on the shadow of the phantom haunting Riku, which paralyzes it, and then it tears that phantom apart. He also makes the oh comment... Oh my god! He also makes a comment that uh, he has to be really careful when he summons his phantom, because if there's no prey there, the phantom will kill him instead. And he makes a comment that this is his version of not getting what he wants, because all he wants is not to be a powerful shaman, but to just be a regular guy. Uh, they oh, return man. to the real world. She's free of the phantom. He comments that he is now going to follow his dreams of being just a normal kid. And she should follow her dreams because sometimes, even though it's not what your talents are bent toward, if it's what you want enough, you should pursue your dreams anyway, which was a really nice sentiment. And then his sister calls back and is like, yeah, so here's the deal. As you know, there are some people that have a high propensity to summon phantoms to them. And when we shaman find those people, we are duty bound to protect them. So you have to stick with her. She is going to draw phantoms to her and you have to fight those phantoms. And that is probably what the series is going to be about. And he's upset about it, but now they are bound together. And he's like, fuck you. I don't want to help her. And she's like, then get stronger than me so you don't have to listen to what I say. So he Ugh. is stuck. It's a good premise. Uh, I think that on the one hand, it seems good. On the other hand, it seems like a little... Uh, it's got a lot of things that you see in a lot of other series. Uh, I thought the art was lovely. So jury's out on how good this is going to be. But I think the premise is very spicy. Yeah, so it sounds like this one needs more roughing up. So. Yeah, but again, it's only six chapters deep by the time you're able to hear this. So you can get on the boat now and start forming your opinions before anybody else. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into mine. Mine is a self-contained one manga book um, called uh, Muji Rushi. Um, it's the sign of dreams is the the other the other part of the name, um, and it is going to be a very weird manga that I was not expecting. Uh, I was not expecting at all. Um, so uh, when you first look at it, you you think. Okay, so it's got like a little girl on the front of it. It's it might be it might be something about uh, you know somebody doing a a weird um, you know maybe a, a weird thing where they're like a possession by a little girl or something like that. No, no, no. It is nothing like that. So the way that the the manga opens is with a uh, a character. His name is Komoda. Um, he is down on his luck, and if you're thinking that you might be down on your luck, you got nothing on Komoda. So first thing that's going to happen to him is that you find out that he is already in debt, and he has been making sandals, but they are out of rubber for these sandals, so they cannot make the straps for the sandals, and so they're going to have to find out a way to get rid of all of this stuff, because he owes a lot of money to debt collectors, because he had this, this, uh, this idea of, opening up this factory and it did not go well um and then his wife uh decides to leave him because he was in debt and she uses all of the money that they had been saving up to go on a cruise with another man so she leaves him um and then he uses all of these these sandals parts to uh to use that uh, inside of this factory to create masks of a 
basically a Donald Trump stand-in. They're like masks that are going to be making fun of this president that may or may not win. And I guess if they don't win, it's going to be a good mask for Halloween. But it turns out that that, um, that, you know, Trump stand-in did win. And so uh, he is completely out of it because nobody wants it. And he took out additional money in order to finance all of the people coming in to make these masks, but nobody wants them now so he's just horribly horribly in debt and suicidal and it turns out he also has a daughter who is like with him the whole time and her name is kasumi and she is my favorite character um and the biggest reason why is that she is just brash and honest the entire time um and she is fully fully invested in telling her dad how much of an idiot he is and he shouldn't be doing the things that he's doing. She's really the voice of reason trying to keep him in line with stuff but because she's a child she just has to tag along with her idiot father doing idiot things. It kind of reminded me of like um, in How I Met Your Mother with Lily's dad who's always wanted to make like the best board game and never had a good idea for a board game um, like or never never really went through with a board game so that it actually started selling. This is the kind of person that it is. So that's where we are. We go into the second chapter which takes us where the father follows the note that's tied to the leg of a crow into a a seemingly abandoned building up some staircases to meet meet a man with giant buck teeth that are sticking out of his mouth who says that he is part of the French society and he wants them to go commit a crime on the Louvre. And that's where I'm going to leave you on it because it's got more stuff that's going to happen, more explanations that's going to happen inside of it. It is a weird, funny, open-ended heist. It is such a weird ride. And I I would say about this one, I, I think the thing that I was left with after reading it through a, a first time, the way that I explained it to Blake was like, I'm not sure if I just read a dream or not, because the way that the book is, it, it just, or the manga is, it's just very confusing and time seems not to be linear, like at all. It's, it's just kind of like slides to the next thing and the next thing. And it all kind of feels like it's jumbled together. And it also just kind of feels like it's a make-believe world. Like nothing like this could really be happening. And there's weird, like little connection points that you're sort of wondering, like, is this reality? Is this not reality? I, I think it's one of those ones that I would suggest that you read through and then read through again to see what you pick up. And I'm definitely going to do that. Um, I, I think that it is definitely one that because it's a one shot, it's one of those that you should definitely pick up. Um, even if, you know, you're just, you're just reading through on a, you know, an app or something like that. Um, or if you wanted to pick it up, it's, it's, you know, not a, a super, super expensive uh, manga investment just because it's a, a single book and it's it's really well drawn as well um, so I mean if you if you're down for that and this kind of picked your attention up you should definitely check it out you're you other than the dream stuff at the end you are just describing the basic millennial experience or the play death of a salesman uh, so I'm intrigued 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic in the sense that it is so much better than the next thing that I'm about to tell you about. <laughs> so excited. Um, okay. So, here's, so that, here's what you said to me earlier. This is the worst thing we've covered for these episodes so far. Oh, by far. Absolutely and I was by like, far. you covered Black Clover last time and you hate Black Clover. Oh, yeah, man. This one is worse. And by worse, I mean so, so much worse. Okay. Here so we this go. is called Ninja Collection. Okay. So my screen time for the week was wasted on Ninja Collection. Um, and let me tell you about it. First and foremost, if you're expecting an anime look somewhere else because this is not an anime. It is a, uh, a loose collection of moving picture books, um, that slowly move across the screen, what? um, and confuse the shit out of you while you're watching them. Um, so the premise of it is that it's a, it's a couple of, it's a couple of ninjas and their friends, uh, and they are, uh, dealing with some sort of weird smoke, that is turning you into monsters and sometimes might not be turning you into monsters. Um, and it is, uh, if it sounds confusing, um, it is horribly confusing. And I did not understand anything that was happening with this until I started reading through the synopsis and the synopsis doesn't give you a better explanation of it. It's set in modern day Tokyo where dreams and desires are afloat and a group of ninjas, they never talk about this in the first two episodes, um, are set to stop the spread of darkness that prevails in the world using ancient techniques passed down through generations. It doesn't explain that at all. In the first episode, there's just some smoke and you think it might be a dream sequence and some character comes in and he waves his fan at it and then all of a sudden all of the smoke is gone and then the other character walks in on this character who waved his fan away and the character suddenly has dead eyes but then he's like, oh god, it must be a monster and he runs away and it turns out that that guy was just like, ugh, I was just using my fan. I was so confused. I, I've just... To give you to give you another person's rating of it, um, on on my anime list, it has an overall rating of like a three. Um, but a lot of a lot of people are like the animation style is very frustrating. It has a almost 1980s VHS filter feel on the top of it. Um, it also it's also very frustrating to watch. The closest thing that I can think about is if you took like cartoon cutouts and you kind of slide them around on a page and you were shooting that with like a video camera and then narrating over the top of it, that's what it looks like. Um, It's garbage. I wouldn't recommend you watch it. Marvel shows when they were like basically taking comics panel and making the mouths move. Oh, it's way worse than that. It's like, it's, it's very, very frustrating. And the biggest reason that it is so frustrating is that it, it's confusing to a ridiculous degree. And, um, and the other thing that I think bothered me the most about it is that it doesn't even take the time to explain anything inside of the episode that is also four minutes 
So it's just like what? a snippet of nothing that is confusing and then you're out of it. And if you wanted to watch the entire first season of it, it's only going to take you like 50 minutes to watch the entire thing. Um, and I I would not suggest to even waste 50 minutes of your time. Um, so... So anyways, um, this, this lazy piece called Ninja Collection is a, uh, a definite pass for me. Um, I, I would, I, I would call it a, I, I would call it a skip. So for intrigued. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, I guess speaking of animation style that might make some people annoyed, we're going into our last coverage today, which is my anime, Tower of God. Tower of God is one of the new Crunchyroll originals, which basically just means that they have licensed it directly instead of just obtaining the streaming rights. They're they're it's kind of like kind of like a Netflix original, but not like a Netflix original anime because that doesn't that doesn't work the same way. So uh, I'm not sure if they're bankrolling these shows or not exactly, but they are kind of serving as the distributor for them so that's pretty sweet we've also covered the god of high school on these episodes that's another one of their originals uh so tower of god uh it's what 13 episodes i have watched all of them uh long-time listeners will know that i do not binge shows and i watched all of this in one sitting because i enjoyed it so much mm-hmm. uh, i have also read some reviews of people who did not enjoy it as much so i'm going to try and address those as well um Tower of God is a bit of a unique uh, show in the manga and anime realm anyway because it's based off of a Korean property uh, called a manhwa, which is a uh, web manga, essentially. But uh, as you know, most manga and anime are Japanese stories that come from Japanese creators. This is not one of those. Uh, You wouldn't really be able to tell the difference if you didn't know that it it plays out like a fairly traditional anime uh but that's pretty cool anyways um in universe the tower of god is a literal physical place as far as we can tell uh there's a giant tower and i mean giant like contains you know some unknown number of floors and the floors are different like full landscapes and stuff Uh, The tower seems to be kind of the center of these characters' world. uh, The story picks up essentially as the characters enter the tower, so we don't see a lot of the world outside of it. When we do, it's mostly through the protagonist's eyes, and he lived underneath the... He lived in, like, caves underneath the ground, and um, we basically just see him in sort of... uh, un i don't know they don't look like they're man-made caves or like they've been you know shaped they just kind of look like caves so uh it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on outside of the tower but also most people don't get to go into the tower for whatever reason so the tower is essentially one giant hunter exam where you have to do a series of challenging tests that are life-threatening and often pit you against your allies or force you to form alliances in order to make it through. Uh, it can be a set of deadly trials that can also be, uh, you know, mental challenges, uh, tests of your sort of spiritual acumen, and um, that can also lead to uh, crazy shonen anime brawls. Uh, the Tower of God also has a little bit of a strange mystery arc uh that might be somewhat mis mis uh representative but 
basically what I found in my experience watching this was that each episode pretty much ended on some sort of cliffhanger. And that cliffhanger was either they are now poised to go into a place or scenario that seems interesting or exciting or holy shit, what just happened? I cannot believe this. This show is very Mm. twisty and had me gaping at the screen and gasping several times. Uh, It's got enough of that sort of like cerebral twistiness to kind of hook you in and get you excited. But otherwise, it is going to play in fairly familiar shonen territory. And this is where a lot of the reviews of people that did not enjoy this show come in, where they basically claimed that it was too familiar, that it felt less like a show on its own and more like somebody playing the sort of shonen greatest hits and like a cliche uh, written thing. Um, I personally didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that it was cliched. I felt like it it absolutely feels familiar. Uh, but for me, it felt familiar in the way that comfort food feels familiar. Uh, and mm. then there are these uh, interpersonal dynamics and these twisty moments that keep you wondering what's going to happen next while you're moving through territory that feels largely familiar. Um, There's also, it's a fairly large ensemble cast and you get to know them a lot. Another big criticism is that the main character is a little bit milquetoast and I would agree with that, but uh, the world around him is so interesting that it's okay. Um, I loved this. I, like I said, I couldn't stop watching. Usually we just watch a few episodes for these. I happened to be watching Tower of God on my own and I just ended up watching the whole thing in one sitting and it uh, being an, a recent season show, it fit with this episode, so I wanted to talk about it. Uh, I love it. If you are similar to Spencer and I, and you like uh, you like a lot of shonen battle anime tropes and stuff, and you just want to see them done in cool ways or given a new creative spin, I think this show is going to super do it for you. Whereas if you're looking for somebody to really come at you from left field or reinvent the wheel, I don't know how much you're going to enjoy this. Um, but you should still give it a shot and see how much you like it. And the last thing, kind of referencing back to my non uh, to my my uh, sequitur here, was uh, the animation style is kind of unique. It's CG animation, I believe, but it's done in such a way that it looks sort of strangely hand-drawn. Uh, I think for the most part, I really enjoyed it. There were a few moments where I felt like it called attention to itself, but more or less, I felt like it faded into the background and the CG nature of it allowed it to uh, move smoothly very frequently in ways that you wouldn't always expect from these kinds of shows. Um, It still does. It looks uh, like a 2D animated show that just has something else to it. Uh, because Mm -hmm. they were going for a sort of painterly 2D style. But some people are going to be turned off by that. Some people don't like it. I thought it looks fine, uh, although I did notice it a few moments. But for the most part, I think it works really well. Um, And just overall, I just loved this show, and I am very disappointed that the second season hasn't been announced yet. 
Yeah, I, I would say something about this one, too, as somebody who has also watched, um, I watched the first six episodes when they were only on episode six airing, um, and I I will say, as somebody who hates CG um, inside of anime, this is one that um, really won me over in the stylization that they did it. Um, I say, I would say that the, the closest um, representation of it um, that I've seen inside of uh, anime recently is something like Demon Slayer. Um, where like hmm. like um, like Demon Slayer also it, it seems like they have like a uh, it's 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 not so much just like uh, like a pure CG um, but it feels more like a uh, like obviously a, a digital lay on that they have done for it yeah they um, use and CG that's... techniques to blend into their two D animation whereas yeah. Tower of and God that... is three D trying to pose as two D so it is pretty similar correct right. Yeah, so it 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 really reminded me of those two styles. I will say that I I think that Tower uh, Tower of God does it in a more overt way that will remind you of CG more than Demon Slayer will. And the biggest reason the why I say that about Demon Slayer is that Demon Slayer has a beautifully stylized way that they do it, um, and they they really hide it behind the the fact that they're like blend. It, it almost looks like you're dealing with. Um, um, Oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, mixed media artwork. Yeah. Um, where I mean, I guess it is mixed media, but uh, I'm right, thinking more of like Demon Slayer feels like you're you're laying it on a, a canvas. So like y- one part of the canvas is done in oil paint, and the other is done in um, in watercolor, and then there's a third part that's done in like you know um, a- an overlay of like pen work or, or charcoal work. So it feels like it's you know this it's very complex and almost like if you reached out and touched it, it would feel different. Mm. Um, whereas Tower of God, it felt like they were doing that same sort of style, but instead they were doing it in a way that was trying to get everything to feel um, like uh, I, I I can't remember the word, but it's like when you when you take uh, a bunch like of spices and you mix them all together, um, and you make it to where like you know you you can't really. You know, all of the spices are now one spice, mm. um, and like a spice it's, it's blend. not like, yeah, you can't get it out anymore. It's it all feels like it is one thing now, and to take it apart would be to, to completely destroy it. Yeah, um, and I think that's the way the Tower of God felt for me. Yeah, and it's just it's just such a shonen, and that again, that was the biggest criticism. People were like, "This is too shonen tropey," but if you know me, I love a shonen trope done well. This show was right up my alley. So I would highly recommend it to people, except the people who are like, the people who are like Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, Bleach, like those are too basic for me. Like if you're one of those, you're not going to like this. But if you can enjoy those shows, uh, you're probably going to enjoy this one. Yeah, and uh, the eternal question, why are you here? Anyways, um, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, stick with us after these credits and we'll uh, give you a a quick quick reminder of what you should be doing. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind podcast network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. 
or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Greetings, anime fans. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the editor-in-chief for The Geekly Grind, a place where geeks can go to escape their weekly grind. We're coming up on our fifth year of operation, and to celebrate, we searched high and low for some of the coolest podcasts out there in order to create a new geek-centric podcast network. And what we found were three awesome shows that are sure to be a great addition to any geek's media menu. Of course, there's Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, which is this wonderful show, which features an additional episode weekly now to cover new anime and manga from our friends at Biz and Funimation. You can also dive into the world of comics with Comic Book Keepers, where Chris and Lance chew the fat about their favorite heroes, villains, and comic series, as well as the impact that comics can have on our lives. Finally, if you're seeking a fantastical and fun retreat, Knights of the Rolled Table is an engaging and family-friendly D&D adventure starring talented improv actors. With three fantastic podcasts on the books and more on the horizon, make sure to check out the Geekly Grind Podcast Network as well as our regular content at www.thegeeklygrind.com. We'll see you next week. And until then, do not trust the guy who looks like a big rice ball. Do not trust him. Do not let him open his mouth. Do not trust him. Do not let him open his mouth. And definitely don't watch Ninja Collection. Thank <laughs> you.